In the last couple of weeks and back in July, we were looking at this whole subject of our minds and how our minds are a vital and active part in the work that God does in our lives and how if we can get control of our minds for the Lord Jesus, it can bring about such a change and a peace, and a joy, and a blessing, and a prosperity, and a success in our lives. Having our minds on board in God's way is so important to our walking with God and enjoying all the benefits of knowing Jesus Christ and being filled with the Spirit and walking in Him. So we've been looking at how that actually works and happens. Now, let me ask you um, a sort of a revision question from last week. And then we're going to go through just the last two or three teachings we've done on our minds before I get to finish off last week's words. So, question from last week. I, I started the session by asking you, what counts in the Christian life? What is it that counts more than anything else? The number one thing. Can anybody remember what the answer was? A new creation. Gosh, this little group of people in the middle here were awake last week. No, I know, we we moved everybody around in the seats. Okay, the Bible says in Galatians 6.15, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. That is the number one thing that counts in your life. To know Jesus and be made new through him. And that's better than bishops and theology degrees, useful and helpful as those things can be in the right hands. It's better than anything else to be made new in him. It's an awesome power. It overcomes all religion and religiosity. It does something incredible and it sets you free. It sets you free from the old life and from the old way of living, which is why you've got a new one anyway. If you're at the wedding, we were preaching along those lines yesterday. And it sets you free into a whole new way of living with whole new possibilities. So the new creation is what counts according to Scripture. Now look at the person next to you. Don't say anything. Just tell me what you see. Well, you might see a very handsome, very beautiful looking person next to you. But inside, there is something even more impressive. If the person next to you knows the Lord Jesus, inside of them is a new creation. And that new creation is life-impacting, earth-shattering, and society-changing. Now, turn to the person next to you, and if you know this to be true about yourself, just point your finger at yourself and say this, I am the new creation. And then point back and say, you are the new creation. Because you are. You are made new. Now, Part of that being made new is to be made new in our thinking. It's not just we're made new on a Sunday morning to sing some fantastic worship songs. It is that our patterns and processes of thinking are also renewed. And that's what we've been looking at So in, in the last several weeks. So we looked a few weeks ago at this, or yes, a few weeks ago, at this whole process of demolishing strongholds. And we said that the way our thinking works is that a a single thought can raise itself up and step outside of thoughts that are captive to Jesus Christ. 
our thinking that should be with him as he would have us to think in accordance with his word, a thought can raise itself up of fear or doubt or skepticism or frustration or, or worry or something else. And that thought can take on a life of its own. And that thought can contradict our other thoughts. And it can say, no, this isn't true. God's not so good. The Bible isn't really so true. And it can, it can work away in us. And what it does then, it looks for other thoughts the same. It becomes a lifted up thought, what the English versions call a pretension. It's pretending to be in control. It's pretending to be the boss when it isn't. And then it finds another thought of a similar sort and another one. And they join together to make what we call a case. In the Greek language, a logismon, a, a legal argument that says, well, because this thought here and this thought here and this other thought here, that means you can't be healed or you can't be loved in the same way. Or you can't really be the same as other people or you can't and you can't and you can't. And that becomes an argument, like a legal case in our life. Because we've allowed the first thought in, the other thoughts can daisy chain onto it and it can build up our whole, not just a brick, but a whole wall. And then that wall goes to build itself up to become a whole building, what the Bible calls a stronghold, like a castle or a fortress. And that then becomes a fortress-style prison that keeps us locked up inside of it. That one thought, through attaching itself to other thoughts, through building itself up over time and through keep repeating it to itself, and we allow that in our minds, it makes like a, a stronghold in our life that takes us prisoner inside in that area of our life. And it's remarkable to meet Christians who are lovely, worshipping, flowing, good-hearted, godly people. And as you're talking to them, you can hear the stronghold. You can hear the stronghold. They love the Lord. They believe in him. They believe he's risen. They believe he has saved them and put them on a course for eternity. But then there's the stronghold. You hear the stronghold coming out. You hear that kind of talking and it's evidence of the stronghold and when you're kept the prisoner inside that stronghold no one else is in there with you except the demon maybe it's not very good company and it's not a very nice place and we said that praise God he's given us weapons with divine power and we liken that to this demolition dynamite they put in buildings and all of this stronghold can come tumbling down it might have taken 10 or 20 years to build up to be that big and that strong. But in a moment of pressing that big red button that says, danger, do not press, explosives, boom, the whole thing comes toppling down. One positive thought from the word of God that challenges that first ever thought, that challenges that argument, that challenges that stronghold, can bring the whole thing crashing down, and suddenly you're no longer a prisoner in that way of thinking anymore. Let me give you some ideas about how this works. Do you know, I'm going right off piste here, but I just feel the Spirit's prompting me to do this. Years ago, I knew a guy who had an uncle, and this uncle came to visit him one day, and the uncle was not married. And the reason the uncle was not married was because um, 
he had made a promise to somebody never to get married. I think it was a relative on their deathbed, his mother or something like that, or his sister. He said, promise me you'll never marry anybody. So he said, foolishly, he said, all right, I won't. Maybe it was that he was married once and he didn't remarry. I think that was it, if I'm remembering the story rightly. His, his wife's dying wish was to him, you would never remarry. And she put that thought into his head and it became a stronghold. Well, a lady came along in his life who was a lovely, beautiful Christian. And everybody thought, actually, the Lord had brought her along to marry him. But he wouldn't marry her. And everybody thought, why wouldn't you marry her? I mean, you're, you're free from your first marriage. You are a loving, cherishing husband. God's brought this other lovely lady along to you, but he wouldn't marry her because he had a stronghold in his head. The one thought his wife put into his mind, he accepted. He let that thought come in, and it attracted another thought, and another thought, and another thought, and it came an argument, and it built up to a stronghold. And just by receiving that one wrong idea, this big stronghold came in his mind. And do you know what? They, they, he ended up with this woman. He lived with her in the same house. As far as we know, nothing ever happened between them. They would turn up everywhere together. Yet they never got married. And, and he was free as a widower to marry. There's no question about remarriage, except the stronghold in his own head. And that stronghold kept him out of the promise and the blessing of God. Now, do you want to be bound up like that in some other equivalent way in your life? Of course not. Nobody does. And we spend our lives as pastors and as cell leaders trying to wrestle with you and the thoughts in your head sometimes. And I'm not trying to be rude to you now. But, you know, sometimes we talk with you and we're trying to coax you along. Oh, have you tried looking at it like this? When I say to you, have you tried looking at it like this? That's pastor's code for I think you've got a stronghold there and you need to get rid of it. Can you hear me now? This isn't some nice diplomatic talk I'm giving you. This is actually a big Big stick of dynamite in the spirit. I am after something here. But you know, if you don't give me permission, I can't help you. And here's why. You see, the stronghold only comes down from the inside. See, it's not the pastor that comes with a sledgehammer here and starts bashing it, because all that does is produce noise, dust, and, uh, and, a, and a kind of difficulty. The button with the electric charge of the detonator is on the inside with us. And when the stronghold comes down, it's because you and I press the button and go, boom. And do you know, when it comes down like that, I have watched strongholds fall from 30 years. I've watched them fall in like seconds. And when you see it, the person's usually crying. And the realization, I mean, it's just precious to be around. You feel the release in the spirit from them. I was talking to somebody once on the telephone, and they phoned me up in distress. And they phoned me up in distress about some situation. And they just kept going round and round and round this thing in their head and getting nowhere. That's a good indicator there's a, a stronghold there. You just keep rowing round and round and you're thinking, and it just doesn't get you anywhere, it just wears you out. And as this person was talking to me on the phone, I said something to them. I just felt the Holy Spirit say, this is what this is. And so I spoke to them out, and I actually said, this is a spirit or a demon of... And as I said it, it was like the phone wire went down the line. You could feel the release in the spirit. And this person said, oh, something's just happened to me. I've just seen something. I just feel released. Now, this was an older lady. She was a good lady. She was in our church. She, she was in her 50s, and she'd had this stronghold for 20 or 30 years or more. In a moment, the demolition button was pressed. And she was released from that pattern of thinking in her mind and all the restrictions that put on her life. And 
Two days later in the cell I went to, she was in the same cell as me, and I wasn't a leader or anything like that. You know, I was just in the same cell, but we were just talking on the phone about something because I, I found it to talk to her son, actually. He was a friend of mine. And she testified in the cell what had happened on that phone call. And something amazing happened. So we are not after you personally. We are after the strongholds that limit you, that hold you bound, that keep you back, that stop you being who you should be, that, that trap you in a, in, a, in a world where you shouldn't be trapped, that trap you in a mindset that God never expected to put on you. And all it took was one thought, either from inside or from the outside, to start the building of that stronghold. By the way, we started on all of this procedure because we were talking about politics and the society and where our and Brexit, and where all well, that was at. This is where it all started. And we, 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 we started on this by saying, the ideas that get us into trouble or get us bound up in strongholds don't just come from inside us or even from our culture or our friends. They come from our society. They come from the ways of thinking that are out there. And we can get strongholds going on in our heads and in our minds from all kinds of sources. Brothers and sisters, can I appeal to you? Be on the alert with what you let into your heads. Be very vigilant about what thoughts you let take hold in your mind. And if it looks like a good thought, go talk to somebody else about it. Look it up in the Bible. Test it out. Because a lot of these thoughts appear good in the first instance. And we said in a previous week, they they can look good. We can have good ideas. But are they God ideas? And we can follow a good idea that actually isn't a God idea at all. There's there's an example in the Bible. Jesus is sitting at home and his brothers say to him, well, it's the feast um, of, I think it was Tabernacles, one of those feasts in the Jewish calendar. You should go down there and show yourself to the public. I mean, nobody who wants a public ministry sits at home in obscurity, do they? So get yourself down there, Jesus. Your adoring public is waiting to see you. What does Jesus say? My time has not yet come. That might be a good idea, my brothers, from your point of view. See, this was in his family, but it's not God's idea for me. So they all go off to the feast, and he doesn't go. He just sits at home. In the middle of his tea and biscuits, suddenly the Lord speaks to him. Now the feast has started. It's time for you to go. And then he goes down to the feast, and he gives that incredible sermon about out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. See, he didn't go when they said he should go. He waited for when God said. It was a good idea to go. That was the PR campaign and the advertising men's suggestion for him. But it wasn't God's. So we have to be very guarded in our thinking, in our minds. Because there's lots of good ideas out there for you and me that aren't God's ideas. So we've spoken all about that. And last week then I started to uh, speak about this message on thinking outside the box because we we said these blocks represent if you like blocks or building blocks or strongholds that keep us penned in and and, and gripped and bound up in our thinking and the challenge is to demolish all of that and get out of those boxes and think bigger in the Lord and we said that the challenge for our society is they think when you become a Christian your thinking gets restricted you become brainwashed And as Bishop Oriel tells us, yes, we need to be brainwashed as Christians. Our brains need washing. Our thought life needs washing. Is that right? I mean, they do. 
We need to be the most brainwashed people in the world, washed in our thinking, cleansed in our thought life. And that doesn't bring restriction, that brings freedom to think God's thoughts. Now, can anybody be a bigger thinker than God? I think not. He has a limitless expanse for thinking and creating and planning and developing and imagining and dreaming. God is the biggest, greatest thinker ever. So when we talk about thinking outside the box, we're talking about thinking outside the limited, human, devil-inspired, demonically bound thinking that this earth calls freedom. We're thinking about getting into this wonderful freedom, liberty thinking that's called Jesus and the kingdom of God. So our first point last week was... Uh, about, about all this. We talked about three mentalities we should have. And the first one was be adult-minded. And we said last week that so many people can be childishly minded even when they're grown up and adults. I've had a lot of interesting response this week from people to that. And we, we sent out notes in cells as well for, for our midweek groups to do. And there's uh, more sort of in-depth study there to do to really reflect on what is an adult mindset and what is a childish mindset. In our thinking, we need to be grown up and adults and put away, as the Apostle Paul said, childish things. Okay, well, here's our last or second two points, our last two points carrying on from that word. So I have a verse of scripture here, and my second point is this. First one was be adult-minded. The second one is be spirit-minded. Be spirit-minded. And this is... uh, the verse that I've got to go with is, now you'll have to think about this verse to see what I'm getting at here. This is from 1 Chronicles 28.12, and it says, this is talking about David and Solomon building the temple. He gave him the plans, this is David giving Solomon, he gave him the plans of all the spirit, look, had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms, for the treasuries of the temple of God and for the treasuries of the dedicated things. David had something in his thinking. You read the Psalms with David, and it says he, he lies awake at night meditating on his bed about the Lord. I wonder if we do that. Or are you thinking about the football match you've just watched and whether they should have scored at the last minute there? What do we meditate on at night? Well, David lies awake thinking on the Lord. His mind is caught up with the things of God constantly. And Out of all of that, the Spirit put in his mind the plans for the temple. Now, nobody had ever built a temple before. They built a tabernacle, the tent in the desert. But it needed reworking to be a building. And you had more possibilities. And God wasn't stopping him doing that. God was behind that. God was allowing him to reproduce the pattern of the tent of worship and meeting from the desert and put it into a glorious building in Jerusalem to be at the center of the worship of the Lord in the whole earth. And David wanted to build that. And it says here, the Spirit put into his mind ideas. Now, when I first spoke on this subject of mind and so on, on July the 10th, I think it was, when I was speaking, I spoke to us about the connection between the spiritual world and our thinking. And I looked at the negative side of it there, which was to say that demonic spirits can inspire and put into people's minds thoughts. 
trust you believe that's true. I mean, I gave plenty of scriptures, I won't go over them again this morning for the sake of time, to show us how the spiritual world can affect our thinking. And the Bible talks about doctrines of demons in the last days and so on. Well, in a positive way, the Holy Spirit can put thoughts into your head. Now, we often talk about the Spirit speaking to our hearts. And we talk about listening to the fella in the cellar, not the fanatic in the attic. When we think about our minds sort of leading us astray. But the Holy Spirit can speak not only to our spirit, but he can also put inspired, inspirational thinking into our heads. Do you know that? You can get an idea in your head that is not from you, that is not from the enemy, that is not from this world, but is from the Spirit of God. Let me tell you one we had recently. A couple of years ago, a person in this church here had a little dream about getting some boards and putting a little sign on them about talking to people. Didn't you, Helen? And that, out of all that, we worked at it and we, we got this phrase, my life is. And the thought and the idea that came to Helen turned into a big campaign for us. It was a spirit-inspired projection into her mind and thinking. And it wasn't just a good idea. So I tell you how you can tell the difference between a good idea and a God idea. Good ideas don't normally work. Or if they do, it's sort of chance or coincidence. But God ideas invariably do work. And they work with peace. See, if you have in your head... Now, I'm just going off of the Holy Spirit here, so this has got to be somebody's thinking. If you have in your head, oh, I'd like to marry that person, if it's a good idea, you'll find all kinds of tensions and troubles and difficulties along the way, possibly. If it's a God idea, the peace of God will come upon it. And it'll, it'll just, everybody will say, oh, yeah, of course. Why not? There'll just be an ease and a peace... And a, and a witness of the Spirit about it. It's the same with changing your job or changing your car. Well, I'm really going off piece here, do you mind? But you know, we can get ideas in our heads that seem like good ideas at the time, but later we regret ever doing them. Have you ever done one of those? Because I have. Oh dear. The peace and the provision and the 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 passage of God will be on that idea. It will bring it through. You won't have to strive to bring that into being. God will do it because it's his idea. God will work in it. That all the doors will open. That the, 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 the right things will come together. The finances, the provision, the people, it will all be there when it's a God idea. It's part of the test. Is there peace? Is there the peace of God over this? Now, you may have to push through, but there's still peace even in the pushing through. It's not a stressful battle because you're not fighting on your own. The Lord is with you. Otherwise, a good idea that we have in our own minds can be stressful and difficult and we're constantly bashing away at it, trying to make it work. And the Lord's just not releasing it to us because it's not his idea. And do you know what I find in those circumstances? I find I want to say, get behind me, devil. This really is the Lord because I want it to be because I want it to be, because it's my idea. So I'm resistant to the fact that God is resisting me. But Lord, there's nothing wrong with it. It matches this, this, and this from the Bible. Yeah, but it's just not my idea for you. But Lord, I'd like it to be my idea, because I, I, and I, I give God all these logical arguments. Oh dear, where am I going with that? I give God this case I've built up in my own mind as to why it should be. But it's not the Lord. 
And I don't want to accept it sometimes. But I found when I accept his ideas, peace immediately and instantly comes. And I, I told you one of them a few years ago when, when the Lord asked me to give him my son. And I was desperate. I didn't want to give him my son because I didn't want anything to happen to my son. I didn't, my son. I didn't want my son to go to some dangerous place on earth and be killed as a missionary, which is what I thought the Lord meant. By the way, God doesn't always tell us what he means at the time. He tests our faith. Will we trust him if he only gives us a bit of the information? So after about three months of wrestling with it, I, 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 I just gave in to the Lord. I could, I, my quiet times got that I couldn't pray about anything else except this. This became the burning issue. And I thought, Lord, can I just pray about the church? Can I pray about this? Said, no, nope, you've got to pray about this. Well, Lord, can I just pray? No, I'm going to pray about this. And God just wouldn't hear me on anything else. And it was, that was what was in my mind. And it was at that point where I said, Lord, I've only got one son. And before I got the sentence out, I knew what the answer was. Oh, dear. The Lord spoke to me and said, and so have I. And then I realized he'd given his one and only son for me. I was now being asked to give my one and only son for him. So I released my son to him. And within a few months of that, he started going out with Manuela Castellanos. And now he lives in Miami. So he's, I'm glad he hasn't gone somewhere terrible and something awful's happened to him. I, I had to give my son without knowing what that meant. That's the process in a God idea. But I was resistant to it because I couldn't work it out. I didn't have all my logical steps built up. It's what we like, especially in this part of the world with our background or education system. So the Spirit can come to us and put inspired godly thoughts in our head. Now, a few years ago, I was at a conference in London. And it was a conference led by a guy, which you've probably all heard of, called Nicky Gumbel. Has anybody heard of him? And his other guy was there, Nicky Lee. That's obviously the anointed name in the Church of England down in London right now, Nicky. Um, so... They, those two guys were there, and they were leading this conference, and they were telling us their spiritual walk and their journey on how they got to produce the Alpha course. And it was like a training weekend we were on. So they gave us the background to it. And Nicky Gumbel was telling us, he said, when I was a young trainee vicar, what they call a curate in the Church of England, I went to be with a vicar called Sandy Miller, who was like the head honcho at, um, at Holy Trinity Brompton in, in, at that time. And he said... I realized working with Sandy was, was quite an interesting thing. So I started, how does he do what he does? And I asked him one day, and, he, and Sandy Miller said this to me. He said, well, this is what I do. He said, I pray and ask God to speak to me. He said, and then the next like, good thought that comes into my mind, I trust that's the Holy Spirit's answer. I thought, well, that seems a bit simple, doesn't it? I mean, they built Alpha into this worldwide ministry from a guy that thinks he can just pray and get a spirit thought after praying. Where's the angels and the lights and the, 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 the visitation and the smoke and the pillar of fire and the cloud and all those other things you expect to accompany that? It's just a thought into his head. But it's a God thought, and he knows how to tell the difference between the two. But he's a faith to believe. If I pray and ask God to really speak to me, the next good thought I get, well, then that's the one I think God's given me. And he starts to work on that, and that's why we've got Alpha. So the Holy Spirit can put thoughts into our head. Now, can you be alert and alive and awake to those? Because what goes on in our minds is not just bad stuff. There's good stuff in there too. There's actually Holy Spirit stuff in there. The secret is to sort it out one from the other. 
And of course, as I was just saying, if you're like me, the things that are the Holy Spirit, you think, oh, do I really want to do that? That sounds costly or, or something like I don't want to do. And the ones that I want to go along with are the me ideas that I think, well, that's a good idea, but it's not really God. So we've got to be open, discerning, and willing. Can I say to you, when you get ideas, don't just go off and do them. Talk to your cell leader and your leaders about them because that's a good way of testing them. Now, I'm all for initiative, but it depends what it is. When House Church was first started in this country, we were really encouraged to share what we were doing in life with our leaders, with our cell leaders. And I have to say, we tried to be really nice to you today and low on requirements. But I'm going to tell you how it was in the good old days when men were men and women were women. We rescued them from towers, from nights that locked them up there and all that kind of stuff. You know, We came along on white horses and we did all that kind of romantic stuff. Actually, I think it was a black Ford Cortina that we drove over. Anyway, um, and we would never dream of buying a car without talking to our pastor first. Did you know that? It was impossible to buy a car without running all the finances with your leader first. And when we say with discussing, we don't mean, oh, I think I'm going to buy a new car and I can afford it. We had to get the, the monthly budget out and show them that we could pay for it because they were really keen that we didn't rack up credit card debt or a bill we couldn't pay for. Now, the, the word went around the country, the discipleship movement is controlling. This discipleship movement was never controlling. Nobody required me to do that, but that was the expectation we lived in so that we didn't do dumb things, which is the basis of being a church pastor. You say to the people in your cell, don't do dumb deeds. That's how you be a pastor. And the human ability to do dumb deeds, even when you've been told not to do dumb deeds, is limitless. And any of you as a parent will know that, or if you're a school teacher, you will know that there is this infinite capacity to do dumb things, even when we've been told not to. It's called being a sheep. That's why the Bible says we've all gone astray like sheep. It's what we're really like. We are not as intelligent as we like to think we are as a human race. And we didn't do that sort of stuff. We didn't just go out and spend money and get ourselves into trouble. The number of people today that are in trouble with finances. Now, we knew this was coming. One day, Bryn Franklin, who was one of our prophetic leaders, he, he came to me and he said, I've added up today all the money I've been offered this week. Free credit, easy credit. It was thousands and thousands, even in those days, it was more like a year's salary, just with no security, no, no vetting, nothing. No, nobody saying, can you afford this? And our leaders wanted to keep us out of debt. I got told off, and this is a confession here, by my pastor for being £30 overdrawn just one month in the year. I mean, I was grilled over that. I had to appear before him like, like he was, you know, the the Politburo or the United States Senate hearing on something else. You know, and I had to sort of, oh, oh, sorry, Jeff, I won't ever do that again. And he, said, you know, and he was gracious to me afterwards. He, he said, 30 pounds, I mean, mind you, when you're only earning 8,000 pounds a year, I suppose that's sort of a lot of money. But we checked things out. We checked what we were thinking to make sure. And the same was true about who we married and the relationships we got into, about the jobs we took. We expected to talk to our pastors about the Holy Spirit putting ideas into our heads for jobs because sometimes a move in a job in the Holy Spirit is a wonderful blessing. And sometimes it isn't. Sometimes you can jump out of the frying pan and into the fire. And the old expression is take care of your 
present, boss, because your next one could always be worse. And so we, we talked about our jobs, what kind of jobs we took with our, cause we, with, with, with our pastors and our leaders, because we wanted to make sure that the thoughts we were getting were really from the Holy Spirit. And if they're really from the Holy Spirit, you won't be afraid to do that, because the Holy Spirit will say the same thing to others as he will to you, and he'll confirm it. Because in the abundance of many counselors is wisdom. Nobody wants to run your life for you. I got, I got enough trouble running my own life. I mean, I had seven bridesmaids in the house yesterday, and I was trying. Every room occupied, and I'm trying to have a peaceful morning, just just rest in in the Lord and, and get going with the Word, and, and and try and get changed somewhere where there's not screaming bridesmaids everywhere. They weren't screaming really. You know, they were very nice. They were very peaceful. So I did what any man would do in that situation. I moved out of the house completely and left it to the ladies to get on with it. And I, I went over to Doug's house and, uh, <laughs> and two boys together. You know, we had some male bonding and peace and quiet there. Where we <laughs> and that's what you do, isn't it? Where was I before all that? Anyway, something about um, checking things out. Listen, check things out. Because God will say to you, he will say the same thing to somebody else. He won't say, take this job to you and then, no way take this job to your church leader. And that's where the faith element comes in. If, if you're really at peace about it and you're really at ease in the Lord about it, you'll, you'll check it out. You know, sometimes people come to me and they say, I feel the Lord said this. I have this thought in my mind. What do you think? And I say, actually, I think it's a great thought. And they say, really? Yeah. Oh, I was a bit worried. It might just be me making it up. I think God's in it. Really? Yeah, I do. Oh, oh. Could he really be? You know, sometimes people don't have confidence in those thoughts. It has to be the other way around. I have to sort of encourage them along. So it works both ways, this one. This one girl, she, she came to our church and we just asked her about her. She said, well, I'm moving to do this job. I said, oh, have you asked the Lord about that? She was so angry with us. She stomped out of the house. I'm not staying to listen to this church. It's controlling that. As she went out the front door, she tripped over and broke her ankle or foot on our front doorstep. Don't mess with the pasta, is the moral of the story, okay? <laughs> she lay on the floor, big lump on the side of her foot like a golf ball there. Oh, oh, oh. And I wanted to say, serves you right, thus said the Lord. <laughs> Instead, we called an ambulance and we picked her up. And It's a good idea to check things out. It's a good idea to listen to the Lord. At least, get, well, would you go in and think about it at least? You know, that would have been a wise thing for her to do. So I am saying the Holy Spirit speaks incredibly well into our minds. But it needs maturity, that adult thinking from the first point, and help and discernment from the church leaders to get you to be adult thinking, Bible thinking, to know it is the Holy Spirit. And some people have to say, that isn't the Holy Spirit. And some people have to say, come on, it is the Holy Spirit. You can really go for this. Whichever way around you are or anywhere else on that spectrum, get help. Nobody's going to restrict you from doing what God wants you to do. Listen, I have one regret in life. Did you know that? I'm going to tell you what it is. As a church leader, this is my regret. I regret I didn't say things sooner to some people. If you see me coming, or Lee's coming, and, and I'm saying something to you, and it's got that sooner look about it, Please listen, because it'll make me feel better if it doesn't make you feel better. I can think of marriages. Oh, listen, by the way, we don't tell people who to get married. We don't never interfere with that. It's between you and the Lord. This is a, that's an art form. But if we feel there's something there to just think about, then, then we, we want to be able to say, have you thought about this? So again, 
I've regretted not saying things early enough. Financial decisions, spiritual decisions, family decisions, job decisions, university course decisions. Now, we're not the Pope. We're not trying to be. We're not trying to be infallible. We're trying to hear the Spirit with you. At the end of the day, it's your responsibility which way you go. It's always your responsibility. We never take that away from you. And do you know what happens? If you choose the way I think you shouldn't choose, we're still there with you. We still love you. And sometimes I turn up with a dustpan and brush to pick the piece up afterwards. And we'll do that. And we'll pick you up, put you on a stretcher, take you home, bandage you up, and get you back on your feet again. We don't run out on you if you make the wrong choice. But we try to spare you the aggravation and the agony and the difficulty of making the wrong choice in the first place. That's our heart in doing our pastoral work. But we came with a high expectation that we would share what was going on in our lives at all levels so that we could get that kind of input to help us test things. Now, on the positive side of that, it's wonderful when the Spirit does speak. He will put things in your mind, ideas, creative ideas, how to witness to people, how to win that person, how to worship in a new way, how to do something with that song that we like singing to make it even better. I mean, there'll be great creative ideas out there, all of you. And here's a definition of a vision. The vision a vision is the idea of God put into the minds of men so they can carry it out. That's what Pastor Says used to teach a few years ago. That's what we had teaching from some of his leadership team with. A vision is the idea of God put into the minds of people so we can carry it out. Good, good definition. God is going to put ideas into our minds that we can carry them out. And that's why you'll find guys like Pastor Caesar talk about dreaming a lot. The, the idea of dreaming is to get our thoughts in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's so that our thinking could be so decluttered from other stuff that our minds are really open and free to hear the Spirit when he puts his ideas into our minds. And when he does, destiny-changing things start to stir on us, or even just a little change in your life, but it's from the Spirit, and it all builds into God's plan. Let me encourage you, you can do that at any age. Have we got that video there from you? Have a look at this young guy. He, this is 18 years old. It's not a particularly Christian thing, but it's, it's kind of inspiring. Listen to the last thing he says. Lights down so they can see. 54 days after taking off, Lachlan Smart returned home to a hero's welcome. Waving banners, crowds of people gathered at the Maruchador Airport on the Sunshine Coast. There was lots of applause, some tears, and even a brass band. It was from here on July the 4th when the 18-year-old took off in his single-engine aircraft. He now returns a world record breaker, almost a year younger than the previous holder. Oh, I'm just on high at the moment. That was so amazing to finally be back here in my hometown of the Sunshine Coast and landing uh, back on the runway that I did my initial flight training on was just really special. Lachlan travelled more than 24,000 air miles and stopped at 24 different airfields around the world. Starting on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, his first stop was in Fiji. He then made stops in the US, Canada and Europe, where he took a week's break and visited family in London. Then on to North Africa, 
where in Egypt he waited hours to fuel up before flying through heavy turbulence to the Middle East. In Southeast Asia, Lachlan ran into some problems in Indonesia. He criticised the instructions given to him by local air controllers, saying he would have hit a mountain if he had followed them. He said their radio reception was poor and their attitude blasé. He chose his own navigation route out of Indonesia and then flew straight back to Australia. As well as breaking the record, he hopes it gets other people motivated. So often we're told we're too young, you're not good enough, it's too hard, uh, when with enough hard work you can get there. And hopefully I've started to prove that uh, as an 18-year-old for two and a half years, planning this trip around the world and now having completed it, uh, after many hours of hard work, I'm trying to prove the sky's not the limit. So, yeah, dream big. Lachlan documented his Thank entire you very much. flight The sky's online. not the limit, dream big. It's a good message, isn't it? At 18 years old. So I am encouraging us to take initiative, dream big for God, hear those Holy Spirit thoughts and be prepared to move on them. And if you're not sure about them, you think it's God, but you're a bit worried about it, share it with us and we'll give you that encouragement if we feel the Lord's in it. And if you, you know, if, again, if you think you're really sure, do check it out so that we can stand with you in that we want to release initiative, uh, great things for God from what God puts into our thinking. Now, I think I've probably done enough and I can't do my third point. I think I'm going to leave my third point for cell leaders to do, which is to be single-minded. Why don't we stand? Here's the question for our conclusion. Can I clear my mind of worldly, self-centered, activity-centered, other-centered clutter so that the Holy Spirit can find a place and space to put his God-inspired thoughts into my head that I can then get some perspective on with others so that I can put into effect the marvelous things that God is doing with me. Do you know, it says of David, after everything else, after, those, after that time, it said, when David's thoughts were put into Solomon's hands and heart and head, it says, when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord, and so on. Solomon had in mind to do these same thoughts that his father David had. And God brought them success. Did you know a mind filled with the Holy Spirit's thoughts leads to success? God will bring it about. You will have success in him because you've allowed those thoughts to come from the Holy Spirit into you. And they will come. Can I clear my mind all the clutter so the Holy Spirit's thoughts can come to my head? And am I servant-hearted enough to check them out, really sure and refine them? God speaks to everyone who's his child. He speaks into our hearts, but he also speaks into our minds. And you will have godly ideas and thoughts. Your family, your 
home, for your church, for your ministry, for your life. Let's pray now that God will have opportunity to bring those thoughts to us. Father, we thank you now. The Spirit of God wants to break down strongholds, demolish arguments, put back those pretentious thoughts where they belong, and take every thought captive to Christ. Because in that mind, the Spirit can dwell, and the Spirit can give life, and the Spirit can inspire, and the Spirit can bring His words and His works into the thoughts and minds of men so that they can carry out the will of God. Father, today, we ask you, help us now. Choose to declutter our minds. Choose to reorder our thinking. Choose to alter our expectations so that your word from your spirit can find a resting place in our minds a fertile ground where he can plant his ideas that result in success for God and his kingdom and blessing and peace for us Father today we release our thought life to you we just release our thinking to you that our thinking and our thought processes and our ideas would be from the Lord and that through that God would get his ideas into the human race through our minds and we would carry out his vision on earth because we're thinking the thoughts of the Spirit Father I pray today wash our minds wash our brains Lord wash our thinking in the blood of Jesus brainwash us Lord in the love of God and the goodness of God and the holiness of God. Speak to our minds, we pray, as well as our hearts, Lord, that we can receive those thoughts from you and become your servants in the fullness of measure you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great few weeks while we're away. Think the Spirit's thoughts. Think godly thoughts. Take every thought captive to the knowledge of Christ and be blessed and at peace as you do. Can I encourage you? Be in your cells. There's more of this to come in cells that can help you and encourage you this week to really have that success in your thought life. Amen. Thank you.